Hey there, and welcome to the Unlikely Artist Podcast, where I'll teach you how to gain the freedom you need to become who you want, instead of who you've been telling yourself you need to be. I'm Heather Kerr. I went from international tax to art and coaching because those are the things I've been yearning to do. Listen in to find out how you can start doing what you love to in slow, easy steps each week. Let's dive in now. Welcome back, Savvy Souls. So you might have noticed that I keep circling back over and over again to the theme of perfectionism. And I just want to let you know I'm going to keep doing that, delivering this message in a hundred different ways, because for so many of you, your need to be perfect is one of the biggest obstacles between you and your dreams. This need you have to be perfect will stop you from trying new things because you want to be perfect at them at the outset. And that's basically not possible. It will stop you from sharing what you've already done. There's always just a little bit more research you could do, a further edit you could make, perhaps another course you should take first and really make sure you know your stuff. A piece of what you've done you need to refine and make better. If you need to be perfect, it's really difficult to hit the send button without checking at least one more time to see if what you've written is okay. So today, let's talk about one of the reasons it's so hard to stop wanting to do things perfectly. And that reason is something I'm going to call failure trauma. So failure trauma happens when life has taught you that failing ever simply isn't acceptable. This could happen because failing meant you had a big F stamped on your forehead. Everyone would see it and you wouldn't be part of the group anymore, or people would think less of you. You wouldn't be permitted to move to the next stage with the other people in your class or with your other peers at work. It's those kinds of circumstances I'm talking about that produce failure trauma. Circumstances where failing meant social disapproval. And so your brain concluding that failing was a scary thing indeed. I know that a lot of you who listen to this podcast are lawyers or doctors or executives or high achievers. And the message that failure is not an option is reinforced in a very deep way by your work. I remember that as a lawyer, the feeling I had was simply, I cannot fail. If I misunderstood a case, I misunderstood the law and I gave my client poor advice, my client would be adversely affected in a measurable way. If, I'm, if I made a mistake, my client might be successfully sued. In the tax area that I practiced, there's actually this whole group of other people, government officials in the tax department, who were paid to scour my client submissions to try to find mistakes I might have made. That was really made failure very scary to me. And it's got to be much worse if you're a doctor who needs to get your diagnosis right or a surgeon whose false step could kill a patient. And so with lots of jobs, there are measurable and significant consequences to failing. So what happens when we're exposed to too many scenarios where failing to get it right can have dire consequences 
is that our nervous systems start to fire up with the fear of getting it wrong. It's our nervous system's automatic response to try to protect us, to make us constantly vigilant in an effort to avoid a catastrophe. That's what I'm calling failure trauma. The truth is, it makes sense to be vigilant in lots of the circumstances I just mentioned. But the problem lies when we take our fear of failure and apply it to everything we do. We're not stopping and looking at whatever we're doing in context. We're not asking, what are the consequences here if I fail? Our brain's just saying, failure is bad. I must avoid failure at all costs. Basically, it's never okay to fail. Our brains forget about all the situations where failure is a necessary part of the journey, where our willingness to fail is the best predictor of how far we'll be able to go, where our willingness to fail is the main driver of how much we learn and how quickly we learn it. This was a huge lesson for me when I stopped being a lawyer where failure had such dire consequences to become an entrepreneur. I definitely had failure trauma after my years of lawyering. After I became an entrepreneur, I was so afraid to say something wrong in a post, to put myself out there as a coach and write something and not get a response, to try out a new idea that might not work. So I held myself back and I did very little. If I posted once every week or two, that was about all my nervous system could take because I had this narrow idea about what a successful post was. Then I made it mean something very personal about me if I sent out a post and it wasn't successful in the way I wanted. I viewed an unsuccessful post or an unsuccessful launch as a public display of failure. What a terrible thought that is. My brain told me this would get me ostracized and clearly my brain said, an ostracized coach wouldn't ever be able to develop a clientele. So instead, I posted as little as possible, which of course was the slowest possible way to grow a business. My fear of failure was definitely slowing me down. And it led to a lot of me feeling inadequate and ashamed and giving up on myself. That's until I joined a group program for life coaches with hundreds of members and I started to notice something that seemed really peculiar to me. The most outrageously successful coaches, the ones creating the biggest followings and the most business revenues were the coaches who didn't view failure as a problem at all. What? The school where I certified, it's called the Life Coach School, had told us this all along, that we needed to fail our way to success but to be honest, I simply didn't believe them. That's until I started noticing the evidence pouring in. It seemed that failure is actually the key to entrepreneurial success. The school was right. The way to be a successful entrepreneur is to get an idea, implement it, see what happens, see what you learn, find out what's important. And then with all the information you've gathered, whether it worked or whether it failed, decide your next step. Failure is part of the process. If something fails that you try, that's awesome. You have data now that will help you inform your next decision.
the bigger your goals, the more times you'll fail along the way because you're trying new things and having to learn even more as you go. So once all of this steeped into my brain, it was such a relief. It was more than that, really. It was positively liberating to step out of failure trauma, the chronic condition of being afraid to fail into the mindset of being proud of each failure allowed me to step out of anxiety and shame and into a willingness to try and to learn. My business became so much more fun. It became a fun way to explore and expand my world instead of another reason to beat myself up. I think my experience is generally true in the entrepreneurial world, but it's also true when we're employed by other people. I know so many people, people socialized as women especially, who won't offer their names for a high-level position or broach the topic of a promotion with their boss. They reason that their employer or their boss would offer them the job or offer them the promotion if they thought they were good enough. And so these women wait and wait. What's really going on is just their fear of getting a no, because that would be a failure. That would feel terrible. So instead what happens? Someone less qualified but less afraid to fail says, hey, I know you're retiring next year. Can I throw my name in the ring? And maybe they get that hired in that position or they don't. Someone else is chosen, but now management knows who they are. They look differently at the person who put their name in the ring and they start thinking of that person as a potential leader down the road, if not now. In the meantime, the woman who was waiting for someone to say, hey, you should apply, continues to wait. And she doesn't come to mind in the management team as a potential leader. So you can see in these contexts how the willingness to fail increases your chances of running a successful business and it increases your chances of getting a promotion. There are countless other scenarios where failure is part of the road to success. Professional athletes, scientific experiments, writing a best-selling book. Thomas Edison famously made a thousand unsuccessful attempts at inventing the light bulb. Sigmund Freud was booed from the podium when he first presented his ideas to the scientific community. Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. What a terrible choice. Oprah was demoted from her early news co-anchor job. J.K. Rowling was rejected by 12 or more publishers when she tried to sell her book, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. So many famous examples of people who failed and then became internationally famous. The other great thing about being willing to fail, to not be perfect and to be okay with that, is that people actually like you more when they see you as human and flawed. They like you better because they relate to you more. And so you have more impact on people when you're willing to fail. When you're willing to not do it right, you remove a barrier between yourself and other people around you. And you put more things of value out in the world. 
And so that's why savvy souls, you may have noticed in this podcast that I often misspeak. That's just the way my brain works when I'm deep in conversation. I have a habit of just saying a random wrong word in the middle of a sentence. I remember I had a friend growing up who was always making fun of me for misspeaking. She thought it was hilarious. But I honestly owe her quite a debt of gratitude because I had to learn to just laugh at myself and be okay with that. It's something I did so often. So when I listen to an episode I've recorded before I send it to my editor, I'll notice this happening. I remember in one episode, I was telling you about a dream I'd had where I went through a dark tunnel. And when I listened to the recording, when I was talking about the dream and then referred back to it, I talked about the dark tunnel, but then I referred back to it as a funnel, not just once, but two times, totally random. It was a little bit disconcerting to the ear, but I knew y'all would figure it out. So I left it in. Why would I do that? Because honestly, if I started to worry about getting these episodes exactly right, I'd never release anything. And I think they're valuable. And interestingly, the most common comment I'll get from you all about this podcast is, I like it because it sounds like we're just at a kitchen table chatting. It's like a real conversation with you. And that, Savvy Souls, is because in real conversations, we hesitate, we stumble, we misspeak, and that's okay. In real conversations, we're not perfect. And so my own belief is my podcast is better because I leave in the mistakes. At the end of the day, Savvy Souls, I'm hoping that this little episode will have you rethinking any failure trauma you might be holding on to. I want you to notice what the impact is on each decision you make of being afraid to do it wrong. Each decision you make to delay, defer, or not try something at all because you think it's not okay to fail. Look at your decisions in context. Is this a situation like a legal opinion or a medical procedure where you really need to do your best to get it right? Or is it a context where you'll learn a lot whether you succeed or you fail? If it's the latter, just go do it. The best way to build up the failure muscle, the best way to live a life that's richer in experience and results is to be willing to fail. And so my wish for you this week, my friends, is go fail. Enjoy your life more. I love you guys. You don't ever have to be perfect for me or anyone else. See you next week. So if you're energized by the possibilities you're hearing about on this podcast, but you're wondering how it's possible to actually make what you've been fantasizing about doing actually happen, I'd love you to join me for a free strategy session where we'll talk about coaching together. We'll explore how you can start making what you want possible by taking small, easy steps that add up to something amazing. Just click on the link in the show notes below this episode to book your free call. I'd love to meet you live. And all my listeners, remember, it's finally your time to do what you want. <laughs>